I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 11th. It is the opening, uh, I guess, afternoon, evening of the first um, evaluation period of uh, college basketball recruiting. Um, so obviously, I'm going to have a former player uh, on the football side on my podcast to talk a little bit about uh, the preseason. We're, we're getting close enough to actually talk about football in a um, somewhat meaningful way. Uh, we rolled out the the countdown to camp series starting this week. Um, team will be on the field on August 3rd uh, to start fall practice. Um, and for those of us who cover the team, um, it cannot come soon enough because um, y'all on the message board are killing me. Um, so, yeah, but before we get started, let me go around and introduce everybody. Um, and for tonight, everybody is one Ahmad Hawkins. You know him. You love him. The ball hawk himself. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well, brother. How you doing, man? Glad to be on your show. Glad to have you back, man. I really appreciate you giving me some time. Oh, man, you know, any, anything for you, brother. I mean, <laughs> hey, you 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 hit me up, I say I'm there. So I'm not hard to 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 knock. Did he get down on the shows? I just want to <laughs> let people know I'm not Hollywood. I'm not difficult. I'm the same with my Hawkins. Give the give the your Twitter handle, brother. Uh, my Twitter handle is I am Ballhawk, um, and that's when they can reach me either Instagram, Twitter, and then Facebook is just a my Hawkins. So people know me. I'm really active on social media. I love yeah. to interact. So a little bit and and yeah. and uh, before I forget, Cavs Corner on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Hawk is one of the one of those people. Like if anybody says anything to him, he will he will respond. I, I don't think he gets a mention. He does not clap back with. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it can be positive, negative, something in the middle. Like you know, Ahmad's going to talk to you. Um, speaking of talking, I, I heard you on uh, on ESPN 950 in Richmond shortly after the um, the comments that Bronco made to the board of visitors. And I really I really thought you had like the pitch perfect take, um, which was like maybe maybe in the big scheme of things, it probably wasn't a good thing for him to say. But at the same time, like as a player who played for George Wells, who has seen like a god right to uh, many fans, mm -hmm. um, if anybody didn't think that George would say to, to you guys like that, you weren't good and you needed to be better, um, that they're crazy. I, I guess I want to take a step back now that we've had some time away from that whole uh, kerfuffle. Mm -hmm. uh, what, as you look back on it, was that just a, a situation where like it, the, 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 the horse just got way far outside the barn or um, did you think that the, the sort of um, the outrage and the excitement and the drama was worth it uh, related to what he said? You know, it's just all about how it's framed and how it's presented. Um, it was kind of presented without a lot of context and people are going to respond the way that they receive it. Um, we're a program that hasn't been very successful consistently. So um, we're going to panic when we hear the truth, as Bronco just shared with the border advisors. I mean, he was being very transparent and giving them the steps of what it takes to be a, a successful program. Basically, um, what a lot of universities have been doing to get back on the map. And if you're a fan and how it was presented to them, you're thinking, what the hell is Coach Bronco doing? Like, he's right. going to stay away to recruits. Like, you can't right. do that. You know, everybody's saying that this era is soft. And we, and we all know the spill. I don't want to, you know, dive back into how, you know, we, we dissed the new era because every era after us is soft. My era was soft compared to the era before yep. me. So, um, but me, you know, just trying to always see the cup half full and, and knowing Bronco personally, I knew where he was coming from and I knew his audience. So, um, my main thing, when I jumped on my podcast, um, I just wanted to show that, first of all, I'm not biased. So if I felt some type of way, I would have 
spoke, you know, spoke my mind. But I was just telling him, knowing Bronco, knowing that coaching staff and having conversations with him, this is what I thought. And lo and behold, once everyone had a chance to listen to the audio, mm-hmm. they kind of curtailed what they what they thought. But even the OGs that I know, and I, I'm not going to, you know, name drop them. Many names. <laughs> yeah, they they didn't. They still didn't like it. They felt like you need to keep it in house because we talk about Coach Wells used to tell us we weren't good every meeting, no matter if we won or lost. Um, he always did it behind closed doors, but right. it's a new day and right. age. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I thought this after, um, you know, after Kyle Guy posted um, after the the loss to UMBC. Mm. One thing that I really became acutely aware of is like this generation. Like when I was a when I was young, right, and like maybe some girl broke my heart, or mm-hmm. I was I was salty about something, you know, I might have got in my music and 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 gotten my headphones, you know, got my Walkman and and like done my thing. But like this generation feels everything publicly. Now we, we can we can talk about whether or not they should, right, or whether that's good. But the yeah. fact is that they do. You know that like that that to them the way that they process things is to say it publicly. And so in a way, Bronco's like the most old school coach probably out there right now even if he is you know an analytical dude and he likes numbers and he likes data uh, he's very old school I mean I remember sitting there on that signing day and he's sitting there talking about you know how it really kind of frustrates him that these young kids want to get offers early Mm. um, even though they maybe haven't necessarily uh, earned them yet and I thought man of all the things to be saying on a signing day (laughs) like probably thing but uh, you know that's just kind of who he is he 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 himself even though he's an old school kind of coach he he says what he thinks and I, I I do appreciate that even if I think in this situation maybe it wasn't the best way I mean you frame it as you said sort of the the way things get framed nowadays in, in the days of you know 100 and well, I guess 280 characters now but but when everything is a snippet it, it's tough to to really for for that um, for that context to shine through. And, and certainly when you heard the audio, you got a different sense of maybe what he was trying to say. Um, like you said, I thought that the, that it picked up steam because sort of like where Virginia football is and the fact that very few coaches do exactly what those of us in the media want, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we want honesty, right? We want a coach who gets up there and says, you know what, I really screwed that call up on that third and three, you know, I, I said we should do this and, and instead we, we should have done that. We want a coach who gets up there and talks about, you know, that this is the, the the biggest game of his life and that he's not afraid of it. You know, we want coaches who are honest, yet sometimes when coaches get or players give us honesty, we get kind of frustrated. We're like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Uh, we get all picky and choosy about it, um, which I've always sort of been frustrated with. But at the same time, you know, I think that's just people. Um, what's funny to me is like having a website that has a message board. A lot of what Bronco said has been stuff that fans have been saying for exactly you know, eight, 12 months. And like <laughs> you really would have thought like, see, I told y'all. But no, a lot of folks wanted to get heated. Um, I, what I find interesting, though, is the mindset of a player. I think one thing that that differentiates those of us who have not played the game uh, uh, from those of you who have is like, you know, if Bronco says that about me, how I respond as somebody who's never, you know, never been between those lines, mm-hmm. right, is different than how you might respond as somebody who has. And that's not to say every player can be coached the same, but it is the, the idea that like players have to have to find motivation yep. from, from a lot of different places. And I would imagine if, if Bronco said that about you, you would go out there and try to say, you know what, I'm, I better be one of those 27. I better be, you know, part of the, the reason why we're going to turn this thing around as a player. What would have been your reaction if Coach Welsh had said something like that publicly, the kind of stuff that he said privately? Well, you know, uh, I said on my podcast, I would have scheduled a meeting. It would have probably been an impromptu drop in. Um, Uh Coach Welsh knew how it was. Um, And I would have did exactly what you said. I was like, you know, the 
whatever number that you listed or you you stated, if I'm not a part of that group, you need to have a plus one because I'm I'm gonna be on that list. And what can I do? And if you give me X, Y, and Z, and that's what I need to do, basically you're gonna reveal my weakness. And as a competitor, I have to you know digest that. Um, it may be some expletives, it may be some arguments. You, I may be in your doghouse, but at least you know I'm gonna fight and fight in the sense that. I'm going to show you better. I can tell you, and I'm going to compete, and I'm going to get better because the better I get, the better this team is going to get. So that's the that's the message I wanted to send to the players on this team. That if you took it in a negative light and you wanted to sulk, then you don't need to be playing football on any team because even if you tried to leave this university and you went to another school, and the coach was like, "Why did you leave Virginia?" and you reference this audio by Bronco, and you wasn't a part of that number that he put out there, then that's showing that coach you're not going to compete. You're just going to run. So that was my main thing is how can I be a part of the list? How can I work that much harder? What can I do in the film room? And, and how can I sharpen up my craft? So that's the message that I wanted to show because I don't want to just give that out to just quit and, and build that, that narrative. I want to show guys that you got to be competitive. And you got to have thick skin. This is what we signed up for. You, you can't right. be a baby when you a player, whether, you know, you have a reporter who never played talking about you or you have a former player who did play talking bad about you. Any negativity is just going to help you sharpen your craft that much more. No doubt. I feel like in, in the days of Coach Welsh, you guys dealt with um, it's funny because like we think now, like I, I, I commonly will think as a LeBron guy, like mm -hmm. what would Jordan have been like if we could have picked him apart every night? If there was a national television package mm -hmm. where every game he played was on TV every night and we had Twitter and we could we could pick apart his game. What would we think of him uh, versus what we you know, what we thought of Kobe or what we thought of LeBron? I sometimes wonder, like, how Coach Welsh would have responded in a world where everything ha that happens in a game is magnified tenfold. You know, it, it wasn't it's not just, you know, what Coach O'Brien might have called on this third down, but what package you were in mm -hmm. and, and 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 how many how many reps your backups backup is getting. Um, that kind of stuff in the way that we sort of, we dig into everything now, right? Everything yeah. is important. And, and sometimes when everything is important, nothing is. And so I wonder how a coach like him would have responded in this day and age and how, you know, how you as a player would have responded to, I feel like in this day and age, you would have been, I would have been dangerous. <laughs> you would have been, been dangerous, man. You would have had a Twitter account, yeah, and you would be that guy who's talking smack every mm -hmm. week to the point where some coach had to come up and be like, look, 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 look. Yeah. you gotta, you gotta calm this down. Um, was there ever a point when when a coach had to tell you to to back off of being mm -hmm. all hard? I mean, like, did yeah, did, did, absolutely, absolutely. Story. I don't mean to cut you off. So when when I was at UVA, I want to say going to my third year. Um, well, the saber was pretty prevalent when I got here, but the message board started, I think, really jumping mm -hmm. off in like 99, I want to say. And I was that that player who would have a screen name and I'm I'm screening every comment that's made. And um, if I dropped the ball, I dropped the touchdown versus North Carolina in the end zone and I got ripped a new one uh, a lot. And I'm trying to combat <laughs> everything. And I could just I just remember getting pulled in coach Walsh's office he's like hey look come on you can't you can't do that you got to stay off the computer okay when do you have time to be on the computer aren't you studying don't we work you hard enough you i mean we got to run you more you, you should be too tired so he was uh, he will always tell me during the game christ hawkins would you just shut up just shut up <laughs> just play <laughs> i like today because i got a free slurpee and i also got a george welsh impression <laughs> for you, which i 
quite honestly, like I knew you were going to be on the show and I was like, God, am I going to, am I going to ask him to do it? Cause it's one of my favorite things. Um, but I was kind of hoping in, in conversation, it would just sort of come out. Uh, speaking of being on message boards and things, I mean, I, I know that, um, that there are a lot of fans out there who are excited mm-hmm. about this and also excited to see, you know, some of the changes on offense to see Bryce Perkins in action. And of course you're going to have that segment of the fan base that is still, you know, holding on to the, the way the military bowl went, which honestly, I mean, quite frankly, like given the way it went, I mean, you can't yeah. really blame them on no, some of them. Um, when you go into this season, Hawk, what, what do you feel like are some of the, the, the sort of things that, that are, that you're looking for um, when you go to practice uh, in a few weeks and you get to see the kids run around, what, what are you looking for from these guys going into, going into the season? I'm looking at the tempo of offense and how we're executing as far as running the football. Like you talked about, B. Perkins being here, uh, a guy that's a true dual threat. Um, the one, I guess you could say, excuse in quotations for Coach and I saying that he really couldn't run the offense to his liking. So that basically strips him of that quotation excuse. I mean, Coach and I don't give me a hard time when we see each other because, look, this coaching staff listens to anything and everything said. It's like they have everything tapped. So I just want people to know when you say <laughs> something about the coaching staff, it somehow it gets on their desk and I'm not playing with y'all. It's serious, and I catch the brunt of it because I'm always around them. So I'm the little whooping boy. But, <laughs> but, uh, that's the main thing I'm looking for, how to execute um, the consistency of offensive line play. Just I know a lot of guys were shuffling, shuffling around last year. Can they finally get into that one spot where they can dominate? Defensively, the defensive line, um, what type of depth will we have? How can mm-hmm. Brownlee turn it around for being a tight end? Uh at skill positions, I'm fine. I'm fine with our receiving corner, and I'm definitely fine with our secondary. And I love Jordan Ellis as a running back. So I guess it's just the, the big uglies, as they say, in the trenches. You know, I can't get a true feel during preseason because it's preseason. There's a lot of brother-in-law going on, you know, guys taking mm-hmm. it easy on each other because you got to know how to practice. So I probably won't get a true feel of how we are up front until after about two or three games. Yeah. I feel like as I've watched the offense the first two years, there's definitely been peaks and valleys. There's no doubt. Um, David Spence, who is normally on the show, um, who's going to be in Jamaica, mm. week, so I'm, I'm angry at him now. <laughs> um, but he 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 made this perfect sort of analogy, which is that Virginia's offense a lot of times look like a series of sentences and not a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, well, one that thing has haunted me ever since he said it because I literally can't see. Can't can't watch the offense without going. Oh, now it looks like a paragraph. And up, oh, going back to looking like some sentences. Um, but I watched in the spring, and like all of a sudden, the read option stuff just made sense, right? Yeah. Because you could see defensive linemen and linebackers freezing. You and it's not you're not going to to, to like basically fool. You know the front the, the defensive front. What you want them to do is just second guess themselves. That you want them to think. Mm-hmm. You want them to stop their momentum. Yeah. And I, and what I watch Perkins doing, I'm not saying, you know, he's going to roll out there and win the Heisman. I'm not even saying he's going to be, you know, uh able to reach in terms of raw production what Binkirk did last year, but I think because it's varied, I I think that I I might be one of the only people who is out here saying like, look, I watched I went to that first spring practice mm-hmm. thinking this was going to be a rough season. I watched Perkins for I want to say like seven minutes. I was like, nah, they're going to be all right. Because <laughs> that kid's just a ball player. And you can see him like, it's not, and no offense to David Watford, who I was a great kid and always easy to work with. But like Dave was a really athletic kid who just happened to play quarterback. He was not a runner. Can I give this you an analogy that I use for, and, and it's crazy that you said that because I, I know David and I talked to David and somebody asked me to describe Perkins when I first saw him. I said, he's a David Watford that's willing to run. Yeah. And it, like, what why, like, <laughs> 
Dave was a was was a really athletic kid, but man, when he put his head down, when he tucked that thing, he didn't have really any good any good feel. At least at, during his UVA career, I haven't mm-hmm. kept up with him since he's been playing uh, professionally. But you know, it, it it I watched Bryce Perkins, and he's not that. Like he 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 moves and has vision and has instincts like a running back does. Like he almost looks like if you if you had told me that this kid played running back in junior college and is now going to move to quarterback, I'd be like, okay, that makes a lot of sense because. His, you can tell he's got an arm. He needs to work on his mechanics, especially when he gets downfield. He he has a tendency, I think, to sort of um, want to load up to get that throw there. Not that he doesn't have the arm. He certainly doesn't have a Ben Kirk cannon on his on his shoulder. But he's 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 got a very serviceable arm. He, I think, per, completion percentage is going to be the thing for him. He's got to he's got to keep it between the lines. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is is like, you know, whether it's um, taking care of the ball in, in in the air or taking care of the ball on the pitch, the toss when he's running it. Like if he's able to protect the ball, um, that in of itself would be a huge point. Cause I think one thing about this offense, they're going to be a lot of moving pieces. If there's anything that I really took away from the spring, it's like the days of like just dudes standing around are going to be over. Like you're going to see, you know, shifts and sweeps and all kinds of action um, that you haven't historically seen. And that's going to be a good thing because like I said before, it just brings that versatility. I'm not willing yet to say that, that, uh, the offense is quote unquote fixed, but I, I kind of like uh, what I've seen. Uh, you mentioned the defensive line. I want to focus on that a little bit. Um, so I, I, I have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for Eli Handback because um, yeah. I remember the day he committed and he was just, he was just so excited about the prospect of playing at UVA that it just was infectious. And I remember that interview. I was standing in John Paul Jones Arena. Virginia had just basketball had just had their elite camp. And I was talking to him and he was just really excited. And and I've always remembered that as like, um, he's just a kid who just wanted to play at UVA. Yep. And there's something to be said in that, you know, like he was a he was a kid who just that's just what he wanted. And now he has a chance to be the anchor of of easily the most important, you know, group on that side of the ball. I mean, you look at like what they've got coming back at linebacker, what they got coming back, especially in the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. Like they are one or two really solid years on the defensive line away from being a scary good defense. When you look at that group up front, what are your concerns outside of just the depth situation in terms of bodies? But what's your what's your trying to overall concern about that defensive line? You know, good thing, you know, talking about Eli that he, he started all 13 games last year. He was at nose tackle and, you know, basically having the two gap and be be that anchor. Um he's that veteran that we're definitely going to rely on. Um, we know we have Chris Peace rushing from the outside. It's just as far as run responsibilities and run gap responsibilities, keeping Jordan Mack clean and understanding that Malcolm Cook is still going to take some transition for him because his his biggest gift, which is his speed, can also be his biggest curse because a lot of misdirections and things like that, they, they're going to try to use the speed against him. So with the defensive line, I'm just looking for them, just their run gap responsibilities being stout at the line of scrimmage because that was the biggest difference in the bowl game. We were getting pushed off the line, and that wasn't – um, like, you know, don't want to say that was Eli's fault because he was doing his job. It's just the the pieces around him having to fall in line and giving us the same type of effort and strength that he displays. You know, when we had Andrew there, you know, Eli got some experience beside him. We had guys on the outside. So we we could anchor the defensive line and do a lot of stunts and, and things like that. But um, with, with Andrew gone, you know, Eli is going to be heavily relied on and we're going to basically seem like a, a fast stunting type defensive line until guys really get into their groove and, and understanding gap responsibilities and 
understanding what offenses are trying to do. And um, we lost Michael Kyle's at linebacker, but I feel like we got that much faster with the addition of a Malcolm Cook. And Jordan Mack did an exceptional job last year being on the inside. So um, those guys in the back end can help our defensive line just get acclimated by just deciphering uh, the di- different run sets and things like that. So it's going to be interesting and it's going to be fun to see. Like I'm, I'm anxious to see how guys respond, have an opportunity to play major minutes this year. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Micah because I, I thought one, it's just amazing to me that he had the season he had yeah. quite honestly, because he was, he was hurt. Like, yeah. That knee, no that knee was it. jacked up all, you know, I mean, from like Indiana on, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, or maybe even earlier than that, mm-hmm. but it was Jack and like, you could see it. And there were definitely a handful of plays and, um, you know, a, a crazier person than me would, would actually like, go back and diagram them and say, yep, it was this third and seven mm-hmm. and such and such and such with this much time to go in this game. But like, there, I, there are just a handful of plays that just stand out in my mind and I can see Micah and I can see him miss uh, an angle. And I just think, oh man, a healthy Micah makes that. And that's not to say that any of Virginia's issues um, in terms of the, you know, big picture, even in the, in the, in the smaller one were, were his fault or, or the knees fault or what have you. But it does make it uh, to, to, to your point, does make it sort of obvious that this year, while they're going to give up a lot in terms of maybe the, the combined experience of Quinn and Micah, and certainly drew too. like the defense still has a lot of pieces. Like mm-hmm. I think about that defensive backfield. Right. And like, so you can, you, you basically are going to have our, what could be your best cornerback yep. playing safety because he's just that versatile. He's just that you, good, man. He's you're going to have Tim Harris good. back and hopefully he's able to, to stay on the field. And I mean, I really hope for that kid, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, that he's able to, to stay healthy. Cause I know it's been just such a grind these last two years for him. Uh, and going through what he's gone through. But you think about what that defensive backfield has and what, you know, what options those that could mean for Bronco, who we we know is not afraid to throw anything exotic out there. I mean, he he doesn't really care as long as he gets the job done. But I keep going back to the defensive line. I keep thinking about Richard Bernie and how different he looked in the spring versus just that, you know, that quick glimpse we got of him in the bowl game. Yeah. And he just as a as like a as like a, a human, right? Like mm-hmm. he looked like a I don't know if anybody out there has seen the um, the defensive line is uh, Coach Soto has them um, involved in the community, and they're doing like a summer of service. And basically, silverbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the silverbacks <laughs> basically they go through the line and they choose like a service project. So yeah. at first they were helping people move, and then last week they were handing out water, and then they were at a, uh, I believe they were at a um, at a um, at a like a um, some sort of um, it was like a soup kitchen or something yeah, like that kitchen. where they were helping yeah. uh, feed uh, the homeless or feed the less fortunate. They, they were moving yeah. service one one weekend. They yeah, it's just a been a really cool thing. And I'm looking at these pictures and I'm like, dang, Bernie looks huge. Yeah, he's 265, like, man. <laughs> I mean, he looks solid, you know? Yeah. And what's funny is that I was, I, I wrote the Countdown to Camp series piece on the running backs uh, for today and I was going out looking for pictures of Jordan Ellis and the one I happened to find was that there's Bernie off to the side as playing tight end. I'm like, dang, he, he does not look like the same guy. Um, he, I wonder if, I mean, look, I can see a bunch of scenarios, right? There's a scenario where Bernie plays really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, back is as good and solid as we, we think he can be. Mandy Alonzo gives him a lot coming into the second year after a nice, uh, few games, um, at, to end his freshman year. Um, and they get a little something out of the, the Thompson kid coming in from Ohio state. Yeah. Maybe they get a little something from, um, Jordan Redmond, who is a, a man child. Um, and we know they've got, you know, they got pieces coming on the defensive line, um, especially with the Briggs kid who uh, cannot be, he might be the most UVA dude ever. I mean, kid plays, 
like a bunch of instruments, speaks like uh, plays like ten instruments, speaks like three languages. Wants to be like a computer engineer, but also happens to be the number two defensive tackle in the country um, in his <laughs> class. Like, and he's got a smile that would light up a room. So, like defensive line wise, Soto's gonna have it cooking. The question is whether or not they can be uh, consistent out of the gate this year. And I, I don't know, man. I can definitely see a scenario where some of these things fall into place. You know, you always can see the scenario where you know maybe they have an injury or two and and they really struggle. But I'm like you. I, I look at that defensive front and think. Um, they they are the key because there's a J Mac um seems prime for an even bigger breakout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I like what they're doing with moving Malcolm to the inside. It allows them to to focus on Chris Peace on one end and um and Charles Snowden or Snowden, yeah. you know, however they decide to mm-hmm. go on the other. There's just a lot of talent out there, um, and certainly something I'm looking forward to. Um, in terms of special teams, you're you're a guy who made contributions sort of all over the field. You you obviously played special teams now virginia has an actual special teams assistant right so <laughs> yep. a guy who can like that's just you know that's ricky's job right mm-hmm. that his job is this um what when you've watched them on special teams we, we've all focused on like lack of field goal kicking but beyond that like in terms of like the the what i would call the regular stuff right the the, the covering yeah. and the and the and the tackling and stuff were those issues specific to just guys who didn't fit what they were being asked to do? Were guys, did guys have too much of a, on their plate? Like when you looked at in the last couple of years, what did you see there? And, and what do you think uh, is the answer for Ricky Brumfield and, and that group as they sort of try to, um, to move forward with this, uh, you know, going into the season? Well, the thing is just that, that comes into play with special teams is first you got to have, you, you know, depth comes into play with special teams because, if you think about the special team positions, you have, you know, linebackers and defensive backs. You may have a couple receivers or running backs, but majority of the linebackers and defensive backs. And so you got a guy like Michael Kaiser asking him to be on punt team, which is a first rep of, of defense or just like kickoff is a first rep of defense. So you may have a lot of starters on your kickoff and your punt team because they are your better tacklers. But when guys are banged up, you're putting that younger guy in there because he's a body. But he may not have that understanding of lane responsibilities, uh, wash like wash and replace. So if if I'm converging on a ball and they're running a wall to my side and they push me out my lane, if you're a younger guy, you're just going to do your job and stay in your lane. But if you're a veteran, you're going to be a football player. You're going to play off of your teammate. You're going to see that he he's gotten pushed off his lane, so you're going to replace him, and he's going to naturally re- replace you because he sees that you're now taking over his lane. So a lot of times last year. I can see a lot of younger guys just doing what they're taught, doing their job because they don't have the playing experience. So this year we have so many guys coming back. We have so many young guys playing um, um, major plays on special teams that you will see a better special teams unit just because they got the repetition and the live game bullets of knowing what to do in certain scenarios. So it's a difference between being a robot and a football player. Coach Wilmer, and Coach Smith at, at UVA will always say, I want a football player, not a robot. Just because I tell you to go through the A-gap doesn't mean that if you feel that the A-gap is taken over that you can't just slide to the B-gap and make a play. A football player instinctively makes plays while a robot is just going to do what's on a diagram. So mm-hmm. um, you're going to see a lot more football players on special team. Now, I apologize for not having your bio in front of me, Hawk, but did you you redshirted your first year? No, I played as a true freshman. Okay. So, because one of the things I wanted to ask you about is this is this change to the redshirt rule, right? So, mm-hmm. so for folks who might not be aware, so like in in the past, if you played a certain number of games, 
but you got hurt, you were able to get that red shirt your uh, back. Yeah. Now this year, any player, as long as they they can play four games um, and still retain their red shirt um, uh, eligibility, so to speak. Uh, I kind of feel like this will be. I mean, like this is like a perfect Bronco mm-hmm. Mendenhall rule because he's yeah. gonna have it all like sliced up as to when the first years play what games and like I, I mentioned in the running back piece today like Wayne Talapapa who is the um 2016 signee who is just coming off his Mormon yeah, mission I met him he's today probably, <laughs> he's he, he's probably gonna play I mean I can almost guarantee you he's gonna play because yep. they really don't necessarily need him but you can just see that he's gonna get burned and, and Bronco's gonna want to get film of these guys in four games mm-hmm. um just just to see what sort of what they get do you think that this is is as significant a change um as maybe I, I wouldn't I don't I, I don't know yet if I want to go as far as to say it's a significant one, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on and how big of a, an impact you think this rule change could have. Uh, it's, it's a major impact just because you have no restrictions. Those first couple of games, just playing those young guys and getting them game experience and including them into the game plan, as you said, just getting them that film and seeing how they do is like a trial and error period. You know, it's like that seven day trial right. on HBO when you want to watch that show. You get to right. see it, and if the show's not good, you cancel it. So That's right. You can see if a kid can handle it, right? <laughs> yeah, you get to see if the kid can handle it, and then you go back as the coaching staff, you evaluate, and you're like, okay, can we maintain um, implementing him into the game plan? If not, we can redshirt him. We know what we have with him. So it's a great thing for, for college football. It's a great thing for this program because we don't have a lot of bodies. So he get the, it extends the evaluation period. Now, I don't know if it's luck. I don't know if you want to call it serendipity, whatever you want to say, but like you have kind of a really cool thing going on out of nowhere. <laughs> um, I'm over there on Twitter the other day and I and I see this thing about a walkthrough. I'm like, what is this? And there you are um, walking with Alameda, mm-hmm. um, you know, walking the lawn, talking to Alameda, who, by the way, Alameda Zacchaeus, folks, is is the hardest dude to get him to say <laughs> something. Like if you talk to O like without like a recorder or, you know, some other thing that's like, you know, tracking what he's saying, he's a really nice, personable kid. But like, mm-hmm. man, you turn on some recorders and he clams up. He's just not like I remember asking him like three different ways, like how he felt about something. He's like, well, you know, I just don't get rattled. And he, that was like <laughs> it. And like you can tell he's a smart. He just he's so guarded and mm-hmm. he just, you know, he does not let you in. I thought you did as good a job as anybody has done uh, with O. But talk talk to the people about this uh, this cool venture you got going on with uh, with with UVA football. Well, man, first of all, I just appreciate the kind words because, you know, like you said, O is very reserved. But um, the, the new series that I have um, associated with Virginia football is called The Walkthrough, in which is similar to Jay Billis's. Uh, what is it? Ninety four feet, ninety feet. Yeah, ninety four feet. Um, so respect all the Jay Billis. He does an awesome job. So that we kind of got that, kind of got the idea from that, and it's just a way of just trying to market the the football players in a positive light to where you get to see them in a relaxed setting, to where they don't feel like they have to say the right thing, and it could be some backlash. It's all about them, where they come from, what type of hangout spots that they like, something hitting about them that you didn't know. So if you looked at a llama there, you, um, before we got on, I was talking about battle rap on YouTube and he lit up and he like, Oh, I watched battle rap. And I looked at him like, really? I said, okay, you like, you like the rap? He was like, yeah, I love the rap. So I said, okay, well, I'm gonna ask you a question about that. And he was like, okay, I'm cool with it. And I didn't expect him to give me his, his rap name like that. I mean, that's just, like you said, that's just yeah. something that just came off the cuff and, you know, Juan throwing here, I've been talking with him for years. So I knew it would be pretty easy to, um, get him on the camera and talk with him. And now I'm getting pestered by Quinn Bland and he's giving me a hard time every day because we didn't have this when he was here. <laughs> he so. didn't have it when he was yeah, here. He, he wants- <laughs> but here's the thing though. 
Freddie Ricky was not somebody. Who, okay, he was fine talking again, mm-hmm. fine talking to you. But the second the recorder came on, man. Now he, I will say this: the de- the game he had where he scored the touchdown, mm-hmm. he would he said anything and everything after that game. It was like it was like he had finally been unleashed. He was like, oh, I can just talk to the media and just say whatever <laughs> crazy thing I'm thinking. Great, and he just started talking, and it was. I mean, it was great. Quinn's a, a good kid, but it does not surprise me in the slightest that he's been giving you. Uh, smack for for not having this around. I'm guessing you're going to get a lot of that from a lot of former players, um, uh, you know, especially the more recent ones who would be very excited to have been. So are they going to play these in Scott Stadium during the game or like pregame or or, or these primarily for social and for, for the website and stuff? Uh, I can, uh, for right now, it's primarily social, but I can see them um, sharing it during the break, during the games. Yeah. It, it would be a That's great cool. thing, you know, just to – because we play football, you don't see our faces like that. Basketball is so yeah. successful, and, and you see, you know their face. You know Cal Gal on campus, but you know when mm-hmm. you see a football player on campus, you don't, you won't know who they are unless we have our issue gear on with our number. So, um, you know, they asked me to do it, and I've always tried to build relationships with the players and try to keep it discreet and just let them know that they can feel comfortable with me, and I wouldn't try to make a name off of them. So I think that made it easier because if they they know if they stand beside me, it's just I'm the fun, fun and game. Alum. Yeah, so when I you're, come you're alive, the fun I'm joking. One. You're the one they want to hang out with. Yeah, I'm the one that even if they lose, I'm still trying to, you know, perk them up or give them words of encouragement. So I think that's basically the you know the gift and the curse because it's like, okay, when I want to be serious, they don't want to be serious though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been it's been fun so far. I'm looking forward to you catching up with um, you know, Chris Peace would be another one that mm-hmm. that I think you could you could get some some actual reactions from because Chris has always been a little guarded as well um we go to the same barbershop so yeah me, chris yeah, okay yeah he jokes around he's from the 757 um from right. the Newburgh news hampton area so i know him real well but we got a couple surprises i got uh we we tape you know a, a, quite a few of them and i got a, it's, a, it's gonna be a nice surprise guest that people are gonna be surprised that we got on oh there. okay yeah so well, look at that look at you teasing <laughs> you got some exclusive right there look, i like that <laughs> i like that a lot well, look, Ballhawk, appreciate you coming on, man. We will definitely have you back um, as as the, the season gets closer and, and unfolds. I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, like I said before, I, um, I the summer, well, the spring and, and early summer for me are always tough because mm-hmm. without games, you know, um, things can get a little wacky. But, yeah. um, you know, getting to, to, to talk real football again and getting excited about the season is always fun. So appreciate you coming on the show, man. I uh, appreciate you uh, giving me some of your time. And, and again, to everybody out there listening, uh, thanks for supporting the show. If you're somebody who came to the website from the podcast, um, I very much uh, appreciate that. Get, feel free to go to um, to iTunes, uh, excuse me, Apple Podcast now, uh, wherever it is that you get your podcast. Rate us um, always helps us uh, get a little more exposure. And if you're somebody who uh, has found the podcast but hasn't found the website, give us a look at Cavs Corner. Uh, like I said, we're we're rolling out a lot of preseason football content. Basketball recruiting is about to to pop off, at least in terms of what Tony and, and the staff are seeing out on the road right now down in Georgia and um, up in uh, New York for the Adidas event as well. So give us a look at, at the website. But again, uh, for Ahmad Hawkins, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.